So last night, as I was going down, I told you, stay tuned, because we'll see how things go. Well, today was a big day for me. I had an appointment with Dr. Jones, and you know I love him, and I want to sing my me and Dr. Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones. But I won't bore you with it, but I think I just did. My apologies. It just takes over. Love him. And Dr. Jones, you know, wanted to make sure that I had all my medication. And he suggested, he was looking at a couple things. Because, well, well, this is the thing. First of all, I got up and I wanted to take care of my son's uh, backpack and everything and be there for breakfast. But my right eye wasn't having it. And I sounded like I was three sheets to the wind. And there was no point in me getting up because my husband could take care of it because he didn't have to go to work right away. And I knew I had to leave the house at about 7.50. So, and it was raining. So my husband was like, just go back to sleep. So I tried to go back to sleep a little bit, but you know, it wasn't the deep sleep, but I just laid there. I, I just needed to just lie there and just do nothing because I had an 8.30 appointment with Dr. Jones and then I had a 10.45 appointment to work on my fascia. And I guess from going in and out of stores yesterday and what little bit I did, I guess that kind of took some stuff out of me. And with this pyrodogstigmine bromide, the bromide, I feel like it's right there, but I just need a little kicker. It's just, just need a little kicker, or I just need to sleep better, because I was doing much better, but maybe I just got a little bit tired, and I got to figure it out. But I get up to go and see Dr. Jones, and I talk to Dr. Jones, and he's like, so what is it we want to do? He's like, I'm going to, you know, refill all your medication. He just wants to make sure that everything is going well. Well, this time it was something odd. I had to draw a clock and show the time of 1.45. And I said, what is this for? And she said, it's a cognitive test. And it's because, you know, I'm on Medicare. And I said, I'm 53. I said, this means I'm getting old. <laughs> and she said, everybody has to do it. I said, oh, gosh, what if I can't do it? So I draw a circle. But I'm like, but, you know, I don't just have a regular old circle clock. I would have a decorative clock. So maybe I'd have, like, the state of Virginia clock or, like, a clock shaped like a gnome or a heart clock. You know, I said, can I just have my own special clock and then I just have to put the numbers on it? I said, some clocks have the number five all over them because everybody thinks it's five o'clock somewhere. I said, I can just... Do I have to, you know, I can be creative, right? <laughs> and she's like, I think you need to, you know, it's cognitive. I said, well, are they going to lock me up if I do it wrong? I mean, what's the deal here? So I get all nervous because now I've got to draw an official, not a Christie kind of clock, an official clock. So I'm making a circle. And then my circle isn't just right. And then I put the numbers in. And I don't like that my nine isn't exactly straight across from my three. And then it's time for me to draw the lines. I'm like, you know, to me, I think since times have evolved, I should be allowed to draw a digital clock. And she said, Christy, no, you have to draw a regular clock. I said, well, who's to say that a circle 
it all as a regular clock. And so I tried to get away with it, and about four papers in, because I got away with drawing like a clock radio, and then, you know, doing the numbers, you know. It was a rainy day. I was, she was sleepy. I was trying to make her laugh a little bit. But about four different clocks in, I finally got just a regular old circle. And then it was time for me to put the arrows for the one and the 45. So, you know, at the one and the nine. And my line wasn't just straight. It wasn't just right. And I couldn't remember. I said, where's the short one go? Do I need a second hand? Do I need to put the minutes? I mean, what am I supposed to do? How cognitive is this test? What's going to happen if it's not just the right clock? It's what they deem as the right clock. Because apparently my thoughts of the right clock weren't the right clock. So then they go ahead and accept my clock. Then Dr. Jones comes in, and then he's like, yeah, i got to ask you a few more questions. And it was like recall words. And I said, okay, let me write some. He goes, oh, no, no, I've got to do this with you. I said, okay. He goes, well, how good are you at math? I said, two plus two, and I can give back change. And he said, okay, we'll keep it simple. So he's like, I'm going to give you three words. It was box, dog, book. I said, okay. And then he starts asking me questions. And then we start, then he's like, now count back from 100 by 3. I was like, oh, Lord. So then I'm going 197, 94, 91, 88. You know, that I was going, and then he says, that's good. And then he's like, now what were your three words? And I was like, box, dog, book. He goes, very good. He goes, this isn't because of your age. It's because you know, it's Medicare and what we, you know, we just need to do that. And it's just for insurance purposes. And I said, okay. I said, well, this was fun. I said, I guess I'm going to be upset the next time you ask me. And I don't remember those three words. I said, but this is fun nonetheless. Thank you for making my appointment, not just a regular old appointment. So he said you know, what would you like me to check? Is there anything we need to do? He's like, you're good to go on your colonoscopy, your tetanus, your mammogram's coming up because I get a mammogram every year. That is the one appointment my husband does not allow me to cancel. And when I say does not allow, I yeah, I listened to him on this one because of the breast cancer and because I couldn't take tamoxifen. Um, he's... You know, I take that as, you know, as a message from him. He doesn't want to lose me. So uh, he insists that I get this mammogram every single year. So that's what I do. Uh, if I had listened back when I when I was getting mammograms at first, that's the thing that bothers me too. They've changed pap smears now to every two years, and I have never missed it. I've gotten one done every single year since I was 14. I took myself to the gynecologist when I was 14 because I knew that I was thinking about things in life that I wanted to do. And I needed protection, and I needed to make sure that my body was up to it. There goes the dryer, the clothes are done, but I am not to pick them up, so I will not. So I've been taking myself every year to the gynecologist since I was 14 years old, no matter what financial status uh, I had at the time, lack thereof or whatever, I made that appointment. So my husband is just as particular about this mammogram. But now they've changed it to every two years. I don't know how I feel about that because I'm from the land of you go. Everyone 
you know, once a year for the pap smear. Because this is why. When I feel like I've dodged a lot of bullets in life, and maybe there's a reason. That's why I'm hoping to make AWOL Zebra a success. Because I'm like a lot of things pointed to me not being here. And for some reason, you know, I've made it so far. And I'm thinking, well, oh, you're being dramatic, Christy. It's not that bad. But truth be told, when I was... Uh, 35 years old it that at that time in my life it was 90 if I was born in 70 35 was that 2005 70 95 whatever when I was 35 I was supposed to go have my first mammogram and I did so well shortly after I had that mammogram they changed it to 40 and then I think it was changed to 45. But I went at 35 and I was supposed to go five years later. So I go back five years later. And this was in 2009 when uh, I was going back for my follow-up. So it was right at four years. And I went and it was right after I had Wyland. I had Wyland February of 2008. Uh, Chris and I got married in October 2008. Our son was the cutest little corduroy fella with his little tie and his corduroy blazer and his corduroy pants. He was just the cutest. And we got married on the beach and had a pancake wedding because pancakes are my favorite. I wanted a pancake wedding cake, and that's another story for another day. <sighs> he wooed me for pancakes uh, on pancake day, and you can get free pancakes for my hop. Just another story. So, I just had Wyland, and it was October 13th, 2009. Chris and I were getting ready to celebrate our one-year anniversary, and I had had my follow-up mammogram in 2009 from my very first one, right? Well, they saw something on my right breast, and... They brought me in for a biopsy, and when they did the bi- it was and it wasn't like a biopsy, like surgery, like like you went in and they numbed you and they just poked a hole, I guess, and took some out. Like when I had my skin test for my peripheral neuropathy, how they punch a hole in you <laughs> in your thigh and get the stuff out from the top skin. That's all it was. They were kind of doing with me on my breast, on my bosom. And wouldn't you know, something happened and blood just spewed everywhere. So they had people holding my bosom. Yet again, why I just have no problems exposing my body because everybody's done seen it by now. You know, you give birth, everybody sees it and their brother. And then, you know, all these things happen. So they're sitting there and everybody's applying pressure to my bosom to keep the blood from going everywhere. And this was two days before our first anniversary. Come to find out, it was a form of breast cancer. And that's, you know, our first anniversary was spent with worrying about what did I have because I hadn't been diagnosed yet. Well, it was diagnosed the following week. I went in with surgery with Dr. Terrell Tynes, who I credit with saving my life. He's absolutely wonderful, Dr. Terrell Tynes. November 8th of 2009. When he went in to do my surgery, 
the growth had changed so much that they stopped the surgery to call down to radiology to Melinda Dunn, who is the woman that I asked to read all my radiology uh, things at this point. I trust her. I trust her explicitly. And they called back down to ask if they had sent up the right films. It had grown. And I won't use the words, you know, because I know there are certain words, metastasized and all this stuff that you're supposed to use, but I know one means it didn't get there, one means it's not cancer, one means it's malignant. So I'm just going to say the growth got bigger. Patient's perspective here, you know, and they were concerned that they had the wrong films, that it had grown so much. By the time I was done, Dr. Terrell Tynes got everything out, and when I woke up, Chris was sitting there. He was crying. He said, Christy, they told me that if you had listened to the new American Medical Association's recommendations of don't get your first mammogram until you're, you know, 40 or 45, I think is what it had gone up to now. He said, you wouldn't be here talking to me right now. He said, you you wouldn't make it. The cancer would have been, it just would have spread. It would have been too bad. So it is for that reason that I'm in a quandary about this pap smear every two years kind of thing because I'm used to once a year and I know what happens when they change things. So I'm very grateful because had I not gone against what they were recommending because I was still like, well, I had my first one at 35. I'm not going to wait and do my second one at 45. Now that they're recommending it, I'm going to follow up and, and do my second one in the four to five year mark like I was supposed to. I'm very fortunate that I did because I would not be, I, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have been able to be with my son. So that's why I kind of look at this heads as although it has disrupted our lives, it has made living very difficult if I have not gone and gone on my gut feeling and gone on my own treatment path then in 2009, I probably wouldn't be here today. Now, I'm not trying to say all this to, to sound like a, you know, a, a Debbie Downer or, or, or ask you to, or, or to sound like a martyr or be like, oh, woe is me, or look what I've overcome. That's not it at all. I just realized, I didn't know I was going to talk about this. I told you nothing scripted. I just turned on the microphone and I was like, now's the time because Bubby's in his room gaming and my husband is on his way home. So I know I have time and I know what happened yesterday when everybody was home. I was trying to make time and when I'm trying to make time to do the podcast, because I don't care for it, because I don't do anything for it, it's just the time that I spend talking. 
is how much effort I put into it. But I put a lot of effort into it because I'm always thinking about it. But I'm just saying that if it took me 25 minutes to record, that's 25 minutes away from my family. And I don't want to do that. So that's why I want to try to do these things when, you know, I'm by myself so that I can give them my full attention when we're together. But I just realized that had I listened to them back then, I would not be here today. It changed so much from October 13th to November 8th that they thought they had the wrong patient's file. Imagine what would have happened if I didn't get my follow-up mammogram until two, you know, until five years down the road until I was 45. So, not being able to walk and talk for a little bit, being stuck in bed a little bit, losing these abilities, and going through the pain that I'm going through, eh, a lot better than not being here. That is why I'm so adamant about take control of your own body. Demand that you are heard. Now, Dr. Jones, I asked him to check to make sure I wasn't malnourished and how things were, and I asked him about the water thing, and right now, although I'm fully stocked up on water, I can kick myself because I bought two containers of, you know, two packages of my Fiji water, but I'm finishing those bad boys out, and I'm going back to plain old water because Dr. Jones thinks that there hadn't been enough studies and that, you know what? Let's let's just not worry about it. And I've got one more doctor, my endocrinologist. I'm going to ask her opinion too. But yeah, that's money going back in our pockets. And I'm very thrilled because I don't want to keep spending money for this special water. But I asked him to check things to make sure that, you know, I wasn't malnourished, that I wasn't lacking anything. So... You know, I just, I want to make sure that my insides are on the upswing because I know that, fashionably speaking, I am on the upswing. So I asked Dr. Jones to do that for me. I go to my fascial remodeling appointment. Now, I work on my fascia a lot, and I can't wait for you to see my nose. I'm working on my wrinkles, but my nose, from where I tripped over the dog after my son had broken my nose, and after that surgery, like I said, I only got three months of this cute little petite nose before I tripped over the dog and busted it and had this big little knot on it. But it was a knot that the doctor said there was no point in worrying about it and there was nothing I could do, and I spent 13 years not being able to breathe through my nostrils. But now I can't because I've been releasing the fascial adhesions, and I can't wait for you to see that. And just like I love touching my bosoms because they feel so darn good, and they're so perky. And I mean, they're not feeling like they're gonna pop. They look good. I've got like like 23-year-old bosoms on a 53-year-old's body, but hey. (laughs) It's because I've dedicated myself to my own treatment path, my own treatment plan, making my own trip. 
because listening to the doctors wasn't getting me in the direction that I wanted. I did not want to be bedridden. I did not want to be in a wheelchair. So, in my fascial remodeling appointment, I need to see my fasciologist because there are some parts of my body that I can't get to. And my husband is afraid to push and tear and rip it off the bone. So I need somebody that has a stomach to do that. And that's where (laughs) she pops in. And today, I had to work on the scapula area. And come to find out, that's kind of what's pulling my left QL over. And that's the side that my scoliosis was on that was pulling my body and so releasing those I could feel my body straightening up that feeling that you feel from the inside of your body when you've got those fascial adhesions pulling you that Nobody understands because they think you're crazy. I do. I completely understand. That feeling that you feel inside your body, like, say, your stomach, like you feel like there's something in there. Because I say the little trolls that are in your body, you know, they're not pushing the poop out right. And then I still have a child's mentality, I guess. But the little L's and stuff in your body, they're just not working right. And so they're not pushing the poop. And they're in there pulling, pulling your diaphragm and pulling the fascia because it doesn't like that adhesion. And and all of that tug-of-war feeling that you feel in your body, especially when you're tired, that when you explain it to somebody and they don't understand, I get it. It's fascial adhesions. And the feeling of tightness in my upper back was fascial adhesions that were pulling my spine to the right, that were pulling my QL to the right, which was tightening everything. And that's a miserable feeling. That's something that you just don't want to have to deal with but it happens and the only thing you can do is be working on that fashion and she worked on my upper flank side because I knew there were some problems but I needed her on the back of my right leg because I knew there was something going on there was something going on with the back of my right leg now what has happened is when that truck ran over my foot in 1989, I didn't listen to the doctors, go figure. Me, I know, right? I didn't listen to the doctors, and I didn't take a break. I taught aerobics that night. I worked every day after, and I didn't take a break, and I didn't stop walking on my foot well because of that my fascia came to the rescue and remember we've talked about that how how your fascia starts building up 
you know, because it's like, ooh, I've got a tear. There's an issue. Warning, warning, Master Will. Warning, warning, danger, danger. And so an adhesion forms. Well, then you keep using that body part. And then more adhesions add on to it because it's got to add double protection. And you've changed your gait. And then those adhesions are getting even worse and getting all discombobulated because they're doing other things besides allowing the proper muscles to do the proper job. So, because I changed my gait, I developed these horrible adhesions in my feet from where the truck ran over it and the bones were all moved around. I just crushed it. Nothing was broken. I just crushed my foot. So it was no big deal. That's why I didn't think of anything about staying off of it. Nothing was broken. It was just crushed. Now that I understand it, it was a bigger deal. But because I changed my gait, it was a domino effect that worked its way up the back of my leg. It eventually caused my Achilles tendon to slip out of place. That was a doozy of a pain putting it back in. But once the Achilles tendon got back into place, the pain eased up and I started focusing on where the other body pains were, like in my left hip and things like that. And because the superficial, the adhesions to the top were taken care of, the deeper ones hadn't been able to come up yet and rear their ugly heads. So it has taken me almost two years. But I am finally back to my first injury, which is my right foot. My tendon right below my knee was adhesed to the bone. And I had to be on my stomach, and it had to be ripped off of my bone today. I had things all out of place around my knee, but those adhesions could not be visible until other ones in other areas were released. I am on ice right now and will be on ice for the next couple of days because that was a very painful experience. It was much like when I had the adhesions ripped off the pelvic floor. It was a bit brutal. It hurt quite a bit much, if I may say so. And that is what I'm experiencing with my knee. I had some adhesions in the arch of my right foot and things like that, and they were all released today. And I have released ones there before. And it's quite painful, if I may say so. It is quite painful what you experience. But it's worth it. Because those releases are now going to allow my proper muscles 
to start working because they have been they they they've been suffocated by the fascia and that's not exactly the right terminology and all of that but I know what I mean and I know <laughs> what it is I am trying to explain and like I said this is all from the patient's perspective but as I have mentioned before when your muscles get strangled by your fascia they quit working and then the next available muscles start doing the work of those muscles the blood supply to the original muscles becomes less and less and other muscles start doing their job That's what causes our body to start pulling and going out of alignment because fascia is pulling your bones and your muscles out of alignment trying to do the job of protecting you, but instead they're hindering you. A bunion is just distorted fascia it's fascia pulling the bone out of its proper alignment scoliosis is just distorted fascia it's fascia that is pulling your spine to the side so in order to get those things fixed you need to disconnect the distorted and adhesed fascia show that the spine and the bones and the muscles can go back into place and start working and that is what causes so much pain on top of the pain that you were originally having so let's go back to the to the drama, like, I feel like Schoolhouse Rocky, the cream of the cup, Schoolhouse Rock, oh, Schoolhouse Rock, okay, I, I start singing, I'm just a bill, and we don't want me to go there, but let's look at it like this, everything is fine and dandy with your body, everything is feeling super duper cool, everything is fine, you sublex your pelvis, you carry a baby, your pelvis tilts, things like that, Your fascia tears a little bit, okay? Then you start doing exercises because PT says you need to exercise, but you can't exercise fascia. But you need to exercise. So you're now doing pelvic tilts. You're now lifting your legs, but you're doing so improperly because the adhesed fascia has jumped in the way of the muscle being able to do its regular job. So now, instead of going straight up and down, you're going crooked kind of up and down. Over time, that aggravates the pelvis even more. Your pelvis then gets used to being out 
of alignment. But in your mind, you feel in proper alignment. Because it's such a small little little movement to the side. It's just minimal. But once you get to the point where I am getting to where you correct those things, the minimal outweighs what it used to before. And what I mean by that is my body got used to my pelvis leaning to the right. I got used to walking with my right foot doing all of the work. I got used to my body being right side dominant. When you go and release those adhesions and you start setting those muscles and those bones free, you have to start training them to be in the proper position that they were before your fascia became distorted. And if you don't do the training, and if you don't do those exercises, then all of these adhesions and all of this stuff is for naught. You have to retrain your body to be back into its original position, and you didn't even know it was out. And once you experience the releases, and once you experience that you've got mobility back again, and everything like that, the next time you sublux your pelvis or your knee pops out, you instantaneously know that you are out of alignment. You know instantly that there is a problem with your fascia because you're not used to being in improper posture anymore. You're not, you haven't quite accepted proper posture, right? But because you've gotten rid of all of these adhesions, because you have acknowledged that your pelvis is going to the right and it should be going to the left, you now instantly know when something is off kilter. And all of that can only happen if you take charge and control of your body and get to know it intimately. Just like they say, what is it? In order to have the ultimate orgasms and stuff like that, that you need to be able to play with yourself and get to be comfortable. Comfortable. I can't even say the words. How am I going to be able to have it, huh? <laughs> but in order to be intimate with someone else and allow your body to be free orgasmically and have extreme intense sexual satisfaction with another person they say that ultimately you have to be sexually satisfied with yourself i guess it's that whole you know love yourself before you can love someone else kind of thing but just well in the sex part and so that is why 
you need to know your body before you go to a physical therapist that's going to give you exercises before he walks on to the next two people that are scheduled at the same time you are. And he's not watching you and not paying attention to you while you do them improperly because we don't have kinesthesia or proprioception. I'm just throwing that in there in case some people are brand new and they haven't done all 180-some programs. They just kind of want to skip around. And we use the word here. I say we like, but yes. If you're an AWOL zebra, that's what we do. We use kinesthesia, not proprioception. It's prettier. So, although instantly for us is still not instantly like it is for other people. It's a lot faster than it used to be before you got to know your body. So get to know your body. And all of this is brought up because, like I said, people have been messaging me and they want to know, you know, how are they, how, how to work on this body part and this and this, that and the other. So I just decided I want everybody to send in their questions. You know, they need help. And I'll still do one-on-one, whatever I can, if somebody needs help, definitely. But if you're having problems with your neck, I'll show you what I do for my neck. If you're having problems with cellulite, I'll show you what I do for mine. The wrinkles on your forehead, same thing. But I'm going to record the videos for those that ask me, and I'll put those in the group, in the Fascinating AWOL Zebra group, so you can watch them yourself and see what it is you need to do for your body. And now the great thing about working on your fascia is you are in control of the pressure and the pain that you can manage and handle. And that's what I truly love about it is that you are when they say you are in charge of your destiny well you really are when it comes to this it is up to you how hard and how fast that's what she said you want to go in order to make this happen i work on my fascia every single day i go a little bit harder than most people because i want it done and after all the pain that i have gone through this is nothing as far as I'm concerned, so I'm ready to go for it. But as you are learning, don't sit there and act all stubborn like me. Do what's in your control until you feel comfortable. Get to a point where you like the tension that you're putting on it when you're pushing, you know, the amount of pressure. You come up with your best way to heat up that area before you work on it. You will design your own template for your path to treatment of happiness and feeling better. You just have to commit to doing it. That's the biggest thing. And for me today, realizing that, yeah, 
was a little bit tired. I was a little bit tired from yesterday. I definitely was, but it was manageable. And I got up and, and went through and did what I needed to today. And my doctor listened to me, and that's a positive. I'm sitting on ice like I'm supposed to. I am not going to be doing much of anything. I have PT tomorrow. I'm excited about going there because I want to know if my pelvis has stayed in alignment. And, you know, just that'll reassure me that I am doing these exercises properly. So I'm really excited about that. But I do know that I have to take it easy because it feels like the truck ran over my foot this morning. But it's a good kind of hurt. I know that it's a hurt so good that I am going to feel healthy when the bruising has gone away. I can't wait for you to see my nose because it feels so good. And my face was so swollen looking because my lymphatic system was strangled by my fascia. I feel like, you know, I'm finally, you know, like I said, when I started this, I knew nothing about your wrinkles being damaged to fascia. I knew nothing about being able to get rid of cellulite and wrinkles. But I have been working so hard on getting the pain relief that I feel like I've earned the aesthetic benefits. So I'm really excited, and I can't wait to share. And I am so thankful to all the wonderful people that have. We just had a an, a, a big slew of people just join our Fascinating AWOL Zebra group over the past couple of days. And please follow us on the podcast with Spotify because we're we're gaining some traction here, and that's what I've been wanting to do. And I am so excited. And now that I see that it's actually happening and that I am humbled, deeply humbled with the messages and hearing that I've been able to, not me, I haven't helped you, but my words and telling you about what I did got you down that right path that you needed to be so you could help yourself. It's not me doing it. It's you. You took the time to listen, and I just happened to say something, and you were able to say, hey, that makes sense. And it just humbles me to know that that you're getting relief, and I'm so excited. And I just want to see this grow and grow, and I'm just so thankful. And this is happy, happy tears. I'm so thankful that I feel like we're starting to grow and we're starting to make a difference. So thank you for your messages, your kind words. Let me know if there's a certain body part you want to work on. Like I said, I'm getting things on Instagram, but I don't know how to access it. But follow us, like us, whatever. Because the more we grow, the more awareness we can spread about this. And then we can get it accepted by insurance. Because fascia remodeling is not accepted by insurance. Working on your fascia is, but not using those tools. But if we work together, use the proper terminology, band together, we can create a change. And it all starts 
with your listening and taking care of yourselves first. Christy Lynn Hanchi, AWOL Zebra, I sincerely appreciate you spending your time with me today. I can't wait till tomorrow. Thanks again. AWOL Zebra, have a lovely day.